when it crosses that line into violence, which is always wrong. Everything is boarded up. There are few people walking on the street. Really getting a point across and being helpful, we end up hurting the very ones that were wanting to fight for their justice. Man, as a police officer, this is the most frightening scenario I can envision. And now, the safety zone. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to another episode of The Safety Zone. We're going to talk about really the safety of businesses in the era of 2020, we might add, and hopefully 2021. I think we're all hoping for a much better year than this year with all of the challenges we've seen. But just bringing it into context in this year and, and really the impact on business in 2020, both of the of COVID, of course, of the shutdowns for the pandemic. And now we're seeing surges again nationwide. And in fact, in areas that hadn't really had surges back in March of this year and them rolling back to, I know in my own area, back to phase two, some are going back to phase one. And then we've heard of just complete shutdowns again. So the impact for businesses with that and, but also just civil unrest. And we know as a country where there's so much division and polarization and, and a lot of anger that no matter what side of the aisle or what, what your ideologies are, civil unrest is here to stay to a certain degree. And I don't say that in a bad sense, but I think we would be, it would be untruthful to say, well, we won't see that again. But again, in 2020 with the civil unrest, it tends to be the businesses that get the brunt there as well. And how does a business, Mike, how do they protect themselves? How do they, how are they able to function during things like civil unrest and protest and, but also on the other side with, with COVID? And just being able to not only try to survive, but to, to even hang in there and thrive. Is that even possible for businesses today? So yeah, I know yeah. it's a loaded question, but as a, as a business owner yourself and, mm -hmm. and a, of course, your, your company, an expert in, in safety and security, maybe just give us some words on that. Well, yeah, absolutely. If, I mean, even from a personal perspective in our company, there's just so many things coming at us right now as business owners, CEOs of companies, you're dealing with, like you said, the surge in the pandemic. So how does that impact us operationally? Then we're talking about shutdowns and you're, you're hearing all of these different advisors that are coming out and their approach to how they want to handle things and locking things down. And when I hear that as a business owner, that creates fear, you know, as a business owner and and how does that impact our business? And then couple that with civil unrest. So if we kind of pick these off one by one, just last Friday, we had a meeting with our leadership team. And so I brought in the kind of senior leaders and I said, hey, and I brought them in. We're all virtual or in Zoom call. And I said, here, we've got to do a recheck. We've gone through this. The roller coaster went down over the summer here in Indiana in the Indianapolis area where we're at. We moved and stepped ahead. Things were opened back up. We got to 100% capacity at restaurants, school five days a week where my child children are at in Indianapolis itself. That never did happen. I think some of the schools in Marion County or Indianapolis got back to five days, but now have quickly gone back to virtual because of these spikes. So now we're seeing these 
spikes in COVID, the flu, sniffles, allergies, everything. And, and so the, there's big discussions about going to into these maybe potential lockdown phases again. When I hear that, not as a speaker on a podcast today, but when I hear that as an owner, what it tells me, tighten the belt. And so the first thing we talked about Friday to the leadership team is space, space, space. And I said, I am the man back in February who did not run off a cliff when COVID started. Uh, my life has been built around risk. I took risk every day as a police officer going to work. I understood that I could be hurt or killed. I understand when I get behind the wheel of a car that things can happen. So risk is a part of my life every day. So I don't react to risk and become extraordinarily fearful. I'm being prudent. And so we spaced people out. I have two offices. I have an office in both places. I moved out of my office in one building, space out. Other people can take my space in one office. And so we get people spread out again that are in the office because we have essential employees. A lot of the work that we do in the background screening part of the company, that is not work that lends itself to be done virtually because of the security and nature of the information that we're processing. So we've created new schedules because we do have employees that have now come in contact and some of them are virtual. Fortunately, at this point, most of them are in positions that allow them to work virtually very easily. One at the top of my mind that uh, is more on the operations side, but we've created second shifts. So if you want to come in at five after everybody else has gone home and because they've been exposed, they don't have COVID, they've come in contact with it. So creating space was the first place we moved in the business is just a refresher. The, the second part of it is where am I spending money? I'll be honest with you. It comes down to that every single time with these discussions in the unknown and uncertainty, because now we have no, <laughs> the politics are still here, right? Because we have no decision. We don't really know where we're going. You've got competing theories about where this country's going, who's going to be the president. I mean, there's just so much of this politicization. Uncertainty. Yeah, uncertainty. Businesses don't like uncertainty. I get the market's been up. I watch the stock market. Yeah. But as a business owner, yeah, I'm not spending big amounts of money on things that aren't necessary right now. We do so much work with schools. I've prepped for schools may not have a visitor this entire year, which is a big part of our business. Screening of volunteers, managing them in our volunteer management system. We've seen schools become, even in California, we had a school adopt this week. Now we haven't deployed because they're looking at when we may potentially open back up because we don't want to be paying for a software right. that we're not, using. we're not using. So even though we're selling, there's no check in the mail until they open back up. So these Anytime you infuse that fear of we may not open back up or we may go backwards and close down, become more restrictive, unless you're certain types of businesses like Amazon, there is fear and people are going to tighten their belt and they're not yes. going to spend. Yes, exactly. And then you, you look at, of course, you, you know, in businesses, there's all types and you have corporate or small, medium businesses that are service orientated. And then you have, and I, and I say this just sincerely feeling bad for them, but you have the poor retail market that already brick and mortar have been 
struggling for years. And then you bring in all of the elements of 2020 and, and especially I'm not talking about necessarily the malls and the, and the big anchor stores, but God bless them, the mom and pop stores and really downtown USA, right? The shops that are, that are in the, in the cities and the central cities of the nation. And you sit there and you think they've had an onslaught both with COVID and trying to operate, you know, whether it's retail or restaurants, but also with civil unrest. And what do you tell businesses like this in yeah. terms of their safety and just their ability, quite honestly, to keep running? Well, the problem is I th we've politicized safety and security in this country. And there should be certain sacred areas that have no business being politicized and keeping people safe is not a political issue. That is not a left. That's not a left of center. It's not a right. That's not a right of center. That is basic human rights. And so what has happened, I was downtown Indianapolis last week for a meeting. A, I was super excited to meet face-to-face -face with yeah. one of our large partners. First time I've been downtown Indianapolis since pre-COVID. This is a place I was at multiple times a week. And I'm telling you, it was like driving into a foreign country. I had told my wife for about a week prior to this, I said, I'm preparing myself and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm preparing myself to be very disheartened when I go downtown this week. And I had a weird feeling. It was just so weird driving downtown Indianapolis just because of everything that's been happening over the last six months. First COVID, then a bunch of civil unrest. And there was actually a... A judgment came out in a, a case involving the Metropolitan Police Department and IMPD and against an officer in a shooting. Fortunately, it had rained the night before and dispersed kind of the crowd. So it's kind of like, all right, what are we driving into? And as we came into the Capitol and the Monument Circle, which is what Indianapolis is known for, there is no traffic everything is boarded up. There are mm. few people walking on the street. The homelessness was on steroids. I had never mm. seen anything. I had heard this from one of our advisory board members who still travels downtown. We parked, went into this fortunate could park underneath where we were having lunch. And as we walked up to wait for the person we were meeting with, our partner, the whole, I couldn't even see outside because everything was boarded up at the front entrance off the street. And first thing I thought of was, man, as a police officer, this is the most frightening scenario I can envision. The last thing I want is to respond to a call for some kind of service at a building and I can't see in. So these barriers that make perfect sense why businesses are protecting themselves, also creating a barrier for responding officers to have to navigate into situations where they can't look and see before they're entering a facility and have no idea what they're coming into. The crowd at this restaurant, which was normally elbow to elbow at straight up 12 noon on a normal business day, I didn't need a reservation. <laughs> they were so happy to see us walk in. It's like, oh, here comes some money. There were people there, but it was nothing like what it's normally like. And this is not a place it's going to live on takeout. They can't survive on the type of food right. that they have for takeout. So I was able to experience firsthand. And with this fear, this fear doesn't go away because the mayor steps up and says, we got your back. No, you don't. I look out here and the fear is real. 
and the impact and the graffiti. And our partner who had parked across the street said, hey, it was kind of frightening walking down the stairwell. People are living in these stairwells now. And so how quickly my city had been transformed was just unbelievable. This is the same city that hosted the Super Bowl a few years ago and got humongous feedback for what a great city and how you can move in this city and all the restaurants and vibrancy of downtown, everything you can do that's not even associated with the Super Bowl and what it looks like today. And I can't even compare that to some of the cities that we've seen literally exploding in violence. It breaks your heart because you, it is certainly, certainly, as Americans, people certainly have a right to protest and there's certainly a place for protesting. But when it crosses that line into violence, which is always wrong, I think, but what's sad is it's really undoing the very thing that you're trying to get across in your protest. So here you have your this once vibrant city and, and look at how sad you've got homelessness, obviously off the scales. A lot of these businesses are are minority owned. They're mom and pop stores that people I think oftentimes think, oh, if you're a business owner, you're rich. <laughs> But that is not the case no. with most with most small business. It, you, they make a living, but it's, it's difficult and they have responsibilities. And, and also in reminding that they, whoever owns the businesses, are also paying the wages of those that work for them. And, and so then they're, they're without and it ripples it, it, right? It just keeps going like a pyramid domino effect. And, and so what we're seeing is that instead of really getting a point across and being helpful, we end up hurting the very ones that we're wanting to fight for their justice, for yeah. equality. Mike, how do these businesses, what, what do they do? I, I know that's a loaded question and there's no simple answer for any of it. But when you see the surge coming up now again and talk of shutdowns and, and again, of course, we always pray that we won't have violent protests, but we seem to live in an era because there's just so much going on and so much chaos that, you know, people are frustrated. So this, the very concept of civil unrest is thing that we have to deal with as well. How can we, how do you encourage businesses, especially these mom and pop businesses that are centrally located in, in cities? How do they prepare? How do they go on? Well, right. And then you couple that with in some of these larger cities, you're talking about defunding. I heard last week talking about in L.A. defunding parts of the police, doing away with the sexual abuse investigative unit. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is just almost unconscionable to think Mm -hmm. about how we're doing this. So all of a sudden we've got this perfect storm where we're going to defund the group that is there to protect us. How are we going to protect ourselves? How does how do I get suburban families to come back into my city and spend money? Indianapolis lives off of visitors. It's a big convention city. There's nobody coming to Indianapolis right now. So, I mean, the hands are tied for a lot of these businesses because if you don't feel safe, like we could work through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There's things I feel like I can do. I'm wearing a mask. I'm social distance. I'm cleaning, washing my hands. You're going to get me to come back downtown Indy, Washington, Seattle, Mm -hmm. these places in the pandemic, because I think I can do things to help 
minimize my risk. You cannot get me to bring my family to some of these cities because I will not put them in a position of being harmed because we are taking away those that can protect us. I heard somebody in New York recently say, and these were wealthy individuals, we have the ability to protect ourselves. We're going out and hiring private security. We will protect ourselves. The average business owner in New York City cannot go out and hire Mike McCarty's firm and bring in high caliber, well-trained former special operations or Mm -hmm. secret service agents. They can't afford to do that. I mean, they're already, their revenue is so low. So the fear, that threat of being unsafe is going to really compound and create a perfect storm of yeah. how do you, how do these cities survive this? How do they ever recover from this? I'm watching restaurants in Indianapolis close right now that are anchor restaurants that have been there forever. They weren't a startup that just picked a poor time to kick off a restaurant. These are restaurants right. that have been around and highly successful, but they work on such small revenue generating right. streams, just such a small profit margin that any little bit is killing these businesses. But I'm not going anywhere if I feel unsafe. I'm not taking my, am I I going to museums in Washington, D.C. and taking my family anytime in the future? No way. Absolutely no way that's happening because I don't feel safe. And when we don't feel safe, we're not going. Yeah, exactly. And that's really the crux of it is these businesses need to, they need to know they're safe that they can keep going. Well, that's their clientele, like you said. I mean, I I love going into our cities here and helping the city and their revenue by by shopping and eating there, etc. And in a beautifully diverse population. But when they have so many different things leveled at them, I think it's just a wise indicator too for just us as citizens to to bear in mind the effects of what we do. And and I and I'm not saying this in any sort of political way, because it doesn't matter again what your ideology or what side of the aisle you're on. It's to protest or to, to stand up and to speak out is, is is an American thing to do. But when you carry it over into violence or destruction of property or anarchy, if you will, there's effects to that. And the reality is we're doing more harm to what we're protesting about because we're hurting the very people, quite frankly, that oftentimes that we we want to help. So, you know, we just have to really have a sense of the ripple effect that this takes on businesses and the people they employ and and the families that go, but also the people that come in to keep them going. Address the violence. That's what, there is peaceful protest. And we've heard this phrase being kicked around. Let's differentiate between a peaceful protest. Let's think Martin Luther King Jr., right? That is peaceful protest. When people are being physically harmed, Right. That is violence. That is yes. no different than when I entered law enforcement 25 plus years ago. There is a acceptable use of force, somebody resisting and getting them into custody. It becomes violence when now as the police officer, I move from now you're in custody and you're no longer resisting, but now I'm going to hit you a couple times or I'm going to knee you or I'm going to punch you. Now I'm mm-hmm. inflicting violence on you because mm-hmm. I think that I am now serving justice. That is not my job. My job is to apprehend you. And when we move from protests 
to hurting people, yeah. that is completely different. And that's what we're seeing a lot happening right now. Yeah. And if any one political organization thinks that this is going to change based on politics, this is not. These groups that are anarchist, they are not pro-government on either side. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be cautious to line up or turn a blind eye to think it'll yeah. go away. It will not go away. It'll take root. And the deeper those roots grow, the harder it's going to be to remove those roots. You've got to take issue with this. It's got to be met with the appropriate response, which is arrest and removal because they're hurting people. Yes, absolutely. Well, Mike, again, I know it's a, another heavy subject, but but it's a real subject. And, and like you said, sometimes you just, we have to deal with the truth and the reality of situations and in life. And I know that our, of course, our hearts go out to businesses, especially, you know, the mom and pop businesses that are really struggling at this time. And, you know, and if they have any questions, if someone's listening right now and you have a small business and maybe you haven't, you know, maybe it's it's strictly COVID related or maybe you've been in the brunt of some of the violence that we've seen in our cities and it's really impacted you. Actually, we'd like to hear from you because we can sit here and, and pontificate, right, and talk as much as we want. But when people have experienced things, they have a lot to say. So, you know, we encourage you to reach out, go to www.safehiringsolutions.com and send us a note. We'd like to really hear your experiences. And if you're a business that has has really found ways to thrive or to overcome a lot of these obstacles this year in 2020, please reach out to us as well. And we'd love to hear your story. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mike. And thank you again for another podcast. And we look forward to the next one. Have a good day. This podcast is sponsored by Safe Ministry Solutions, which offers a 360 security solution that keeps your church, your congregation, and your ministry safe.